It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. Childcare Barn Girl Podcast, the world's longest-running and most prolific early learning podcast with the words bar and grill in the title. I'm Jeff Johnson, coming to you live from Upstairs Studio in the Snuggery along the Gulf of Mexico. From the wilds of suburban Australia, we've got uh, Nicole Halton. We're going to squiz about uh, whether parents are better teachers. Squiz, I learned that's an Australian word, squiz. 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 Have a squeeze. Have a look. Have a, yeah. Have a squeeze. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I've, I've I've been listening. Look, there's a a uh, an Australian podcast company I've I've kind of enjoyed, and so I've been listening to Australian terminology in the real world. So that's where I came up with squiz. I think I'm going to start using squiz. I kind of like squiz. But what Good. about talk to me about the uh, the term old mate? Um, old mate. Oh, everybody's old mate. Okay. Cause see. He- Go ahead. Sort of, sort of everybody's old mate. So it can be used in multiple ways, though. It's like it depends on your tone. It depends on what you're saying. Usually it's because you can't remember someone's name. So it's like our old mate from down the road, and it's like I don't uh-huh. know that guy's name, but it's old mate. Or you could be like just talking about someone you don't actually know. Oh, see, old mate over there, look at him. You know, what's he doing? Like it's, yes, it's very generic but it's also used for all sorts of occasions. So sometimes it's a positive, sometimes it's not. Yeah. So I, after I, I, it was kind of like, Hey, that idiot, um, kind of that, that kind of term. But then I, I also, some places it, it was, it, it is like somebody that you're close to. I heard too, it could be used. So I don't know if I should refer to you as an old mate or not, because, Probably um, not. yeah, yeah. I didn't well, think if, so. if you do, it means you've probably forgotten who I am. Yeah, um, well, like okay, listeners, you'll you'll know Jeff is getting Alzheimer's when he starts referring yes. to to Nicole as old mate. Um, so old uh, mate we're going <laughs> to get into an, an article you wrote for the uh, Inspired EC blog. But I got a I got a thing I got to do first though. I'm I'm starting to do a revision update, um, second edition of my Babies in the Rain book because it's a little over twelve years old and uh, and needs some revising. And I am listeners in the hunt for uh, new photos of infants and toddlers doing infants and toddler stuff. Um, so much of the clip art I've looked, or not not clip art, but uh, but um, clearable photos I've looked at online so far are 
a very cutesy. Um, I'm looking for real world stuff where infants and toddlers are having real experiences and real emotions and, and that kind of thing. So if you have any of those that you um, would like to submit, you can hit me up in the contact information on, uh, on the, uh, in the show notes or, or even voice or text me at 228-363-6737. I'm looking for real world stuff. You'll get it. I mean, you rain, you maintain copyright of your pictures. Um, I'll give you photo credit in the book, uh, probably hook you, hook you up with a, uh, an ebook version when it's all done. And also one of the things I also thought might be nice if you have this listener, um, I would like to have a photo of the same human child, um, like in utero at birth at like one at 18 in months. Utero. Uh, yeah, they take those pictures now, right? Those ultrasounds. That's a picture. Yes. So I'd like to, I'd like to be able to, to put together a, 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 a group of pictures of four or five or six pictures of the same child between in utero time and the age of about three, because I think that that photo, um, look at the the change in that very short period of time would kind of be a nice graphic to have in the book. So that's a little little PSA I wanted to throw out there. So Nicole, are parents better teachers? Well, it's it's such a complex topic, and it runs the risk of offending multiple people when you have this conversation. <laughs> Well, so, <laughs> that, that's a, that makes it sound like a perfect topic for the child care bar topic drill. Here. Absolutely. So I think how it come to be that I kind of had this conversation, I suppose, as a blog post was for me personally, I know that when I became a parent, I became a different educator. I don't necessarily think I became a better educator, but I became a different educator. Um, and I think, you know, I've had the conversation for years with people about who are educators and parents about whether they think it makes a difference. I know when I started in early childhood, I was 19 and not a parent and probably thought I knew everything because that's what 19 year olds do. Sure. Um, but even when I became, so I became the director of our service when I was 21 and like was very much thrown in that deep end and I was the youngest staff member that we had um, and we had other educators who were older, had, who had their own children, um, and there was definitely friction at times with them sort of I'd say something and they'd say, oh, you wouldn't understand because you're not a parent. You wouldn't understand how that parent feels because you're not a parent. You wouldn't understand what it's like to try and get your children to eat vegetables because you're not a parent. You wouldn't understand, like, there was a lot of that kind of, you know, conversation, I'm like, absolutely, I don't understand what it's like to be a parent. I can't possibly. Um, in the same vein that parents don't understand what it's like to be an educator, unless you've got the privilege of being both, you can't possibly understand, you know, the two sides. And so I was kind of, I was hoping that when I became a parent, nothing would change. And I'd just coast, coast along and be like, nope, still got the same knowledge, still have the same opinions. And that did not happen. I definitely had, it wasn't that I had different, well, I probably had different opinions, but it gave me a different perspective that I think I couldn't have possibly had otherwise, you know, a different sense of empathy and, you know, to know what it's like to, I often talk about this, I've been talking about this a lot lately with different services, 
the level of trust that's placed in us as educators when a parent brings their child to you, leaves you, leaves them with you for the day. They don't really know you. They might have met you a couple of times at orientation or whatever, but they don't really know who you are. They typically are trusting that you've had all your safety checks and that you're a stand-up human being. They're typically trusting that you've done your study and that you've, you know, there's a lot of trust placed in that. And I don't think I realised how much that was until I became a parent myself. Yeah, it's a, it's a big thing to hand this little person that you helped make um, yeah. if, if that's the way you became a parent or that you've taken on responsibility for if you're an adoptive parent or, or step parent yeah. um, over, over to another human being. Um, and, and I think, look, I, I've mostly, I, I mean, the vast majority of my time in the profession has been as a parent, but I got started young, like you did too, before the, before the kids came along and I would chalk up maybe what gets labeled as quote unquote better is just in reality, more experienced because yeah. you put in a lot more time with little human beings. And I would argue that a caregiver who had been diligent and thoughtful in the profession for uh, uh, 10 years and had no experience as a parent themselves is probably a more effective early learning professional than a parent of a six-month-old um, yes. who just started working in early learning just because the 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 experienced caregiver at that point has has more experience um yeah. because I think it is very very difficult to come into this profession without any experience and be, be good. And I guess by good, I mean, effective um, at the very beginning until you, until you build up some experience. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think what's, what's probably troubling me at the moment is, and I say troubling because I, I put myself back in that position. I was a young educator and I felt like at the time I had a lot of knowledge and skills and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I had the passion and whatever. And even now I look back and I'm like, okay, sometimes I think I didn't know shit, but other times I'm like, no, I still, I did know stuff. And I, you know, like I see that I, I was capable, but then I also now am seeing and I don't know what it's like in the US if it's quite the same, but here we've got a really young profession. Um, I'm visiting a lot of services at the moment who are preparing for their assessment and rating. So it's like they're kind of check that they're doing all the right things and, you know, what kind of quality standard they're at. And I'm visiting a lot of these services and most of the services who are getting me out to visit are saying, we've got a young, inexperienced team. And... I, I've always found that such a difficult situation because I don't want to ever say, oh, well, because someone's young, they're, they're not up to the task because I've encountered some incredible young staff who are really up for the task and I've encountered some older ones who I think, oh, my gosh, you should not be here. So it's not about necessarily the age, but I think, as you say, it, it ties in with that experience too. 
Sure, because a lot of those young staff and and I've I've run into this. Um, we, I mean, you can go back to the in the podcast and listen to examples of it. The um, early learning journeys series I've been doing with Tamar, um, where we've been interviewing uh, caregivers about their their professional journey. A lot of the people we've talked to, and in my experience, a lot of people in this profession. Um, start out, you know, taking care of younger siblings or babysitting uh, for neighbors when they're young. And so you can be 18 or 19 years old and still have years of experience. Um, I bust in- the trend. I must have been one of the only people on that podcast that's like, I didn't like children. I didn't want to hang out with anyone's <laughs> kids. I didn't babysit. I'm like, not at all interested. <laughs> so I must have bucked the trend there. But I think that's typical anyway. I find that in early childhood when I talk about that, that most people go, oh, that's unusual. But yeah, I think you're right. Most most people have sort of started out young and, you know, had that interest and that commitment from early on. And, you know, you, you do have those experience, like people who are younger that still are knowledgeable. And, you know, I, I, I definitely think it's not about the age for me. It is about the experience. And I just think when you become a parent, your experience is also not necessarily more, but different. You know, it's not yeah. about the quantity of experience either it's the different type of experience and that ability to to just see things in a different way to put yourselves you know you can try as much as you like to put yourself in the shoes of another but until you've really kind of walked in those shoes it's really hard to understand you know like it's hard to understand what it's like to have a child that cries all night if you've not had a child that cries all night for example (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can imagine it and, and logically you can have a, a, a feeling, a concept of what it is like, but that isn't the same experience. You know, I, I, um, you can, you can imagine what it would be like to be in outer space and be weightless. Um, yes. And you can you can read the accounts of of astronauts that have had that experience, and still I'm I'm guessing my imagination is is very different from what that from real reality. experience would would be. Um, so so yeah, and there is. Example because that's exactly what we do as educators is we you know like we understand the theoretical side of it. We understand the logic, the facts, the, you know, like we understand all of that stuff. We can do the research. We can have the conversations. We can observe things. We can take things on. But until we actually live that experience, it's really hard to fully understand the reality of that experience. So, like, separation's always been a big one for me. I don't think I understood what it was like in terms of separation. Like, when I was an educator before I became a parent, I'd think, oh, my gosh, just fucking say goodbye time to move on, you're making this worse, you're making this harder, go, we'll call you. Like I had a lot of empathy and I think, you know, that must be hard and I'll make sure I give them a call and let them know that, you know, little Freddie settled in well and, you know, whatever. But I'd also think, okay, like get it done. Whereas once I became an educator, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this sucks. And I was leaving my children, well, for a while, they were at a service that I was working at, so I wasn't even really leaving them. And then when I stopped working there, and by that point, I was like, I knew all of the educators, and so I had that comfort that it wasn't really an issue, but I still, if one of them cried when I left, 
I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what this feels like. And the educator's saying, just go now, you'll be fine. And I'm like, <laughs> why? But so my it's heart like, hurts. Yes, my heart hurts. I don't want to leave. Um, now I'm like waving them off goodbye. See you later. <laughs> um, but they're much older, so it's okay. But yeah, I just think that experience shifts when you have that lived experience. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think that would translate into other parts of the classroom. I, back in my center director days, I had a couple staff who were, were education, they were working to me while they were, were, were going to college and they were education majors, but they were art minors and they would come in and, and they really understood very quickly uh, process, the whole idea of process art and abandoning all the paper plate projects and, and yeah, the, yeah. the, the craptivities and, and all of that. And, and they were amazing with, with the materials and art crafty experiences they, they created for kids because they had, had that, um, that core knowledge in, in, in the artsy side of things that, that other staff um, didn't have. So I think, I think a lot of times we, we bring from our away from work life uh, skills and experiences that accent the, the classroom experience. And, and one of those is being a parent, uh, yeah. but it might be, you know, I was, I was interested in, in tools and and things and so we had a lot of tool experiences in our program. I I met once a a program uh, that operated right outside the gates of uh, of uh, um, uh, what's the uh, Yellowstone uh, here in the states. It is a a huge national national park. It's just epic bison and wolves and and all kinds of stuff running around. And the caregivers were both retired biologists. And so they had they had things like uh, like Buffalo giving birth in their driveway. Um, oh, cool. And so they they had a very STEM and nature rich experience mm. because of that that history that they brought to to the program. And and so, you know, when when a pack of wolves would literally run through their backyard uh they they had, they had lots of information and thoughts and um anecdotal evidence or experiences and and stories and and things to add to the to the experience of sitting inside and and watching that happen for the little humans in their care and and so i think it's not only the parenting thing that might make us i don't know about better but more effective um caregivers it's it's all those other experiences as well i think yeah, I think so too. And, you know, like I was just thinking, I think I said at the beginning that, you know, my thoughts on this either offend people, like it, it will offend somebody because as a, when I was a young educator and I get that you don't understand because you're not a parent, that feels hard because, you know, there are jobs that you do. We're also professionals and what we do in terms of our work is different to what parents do at home. It just is. And we've got different skill sets and, you know, it's not like we're ultimately setting out to replicate the parenting dynamic. Like I feel like it's a completely different dynamic and, you know, we bring other things, other knowledge, other skills and, you know, like those sorts of outside skills as well. So it's hard. I find that hard for people who aren't yet parents or perhaps never want to be parents 
and they get that kind of, and I think that's what I talked about in the blog post actually was, you know, I, I had overheard a conversation when I was picking my kids up from school between some parents about, you know, something that had happened at their child's service and, you know, they were basically kind of saying, oh, well, that, that educator wouldn't understand. They're all young. They don't have children. They just don't understand. And they were really quick to kind of write them off as they're not going to know and I'm not going to trust them or listen to them because they're not a parent. And I think that's such a, well, it's a dangerous place to be in because we could say that about a lot of professions. I mean, I'm not going to trust my doctor because he's not had this medical condition before. Like that's that's crazy because they've actually done, you know, study and research and, you know, got hands-on experience. I should be trusting them. And I feel like we're kind of in that same boat. So while I feel like the experience is different, you know, it's made me a different educator being a parent. I don't know that it's necessarily a better educator. And likewise, I don't know that being an educator made me a better parent either. Like a lot of people will say it must be so much easier being a parent, having had that, you know, that study and experience and, you know, knowledge and doing the work that you do must make it so much easier to be a parent. And I'm like, fuck no, it does not. It's completely (laughs) different. It doesn't translate. Just doesn't translate. It doesn't give me the patience. I've got patience for someone else's 10 two-year-olds. I've got far more patience for 10 two-year-olds that belong to somebody else than one 12-year-old that belongs to me. Like completely different. Sure. And I mean, over the years I have, look, I had a, a couple experiences with having parents on staff who were just shitty caregivers i think they were good yeah. parents but yeah, they just not suited to care like, they, they to didn't have the temperament to to work in in this field so just that just because you you squeeze out or <laughs> <laughs> it's such a lovely graphic visual <laughs> no you can become parents and you can become parents in different ways just because right. you are a parent doesn't mean that you are automatically going to be skilled at working in the early learning profession. No, um, there, there are plenty of of parents out there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want working around children professionally. Um, you know, just thinking about this, I think here at the Child Care Bar and Grill, we've got a couple other hosts that um are that have worked in the field for a a fair amount of time, but aren't parents, and I don't think are planning on being parents. And so I'm thinking I might record with uh, one of them on the same topic, just, yes. just to get that perspective. Um, so, uh, so Sam, uh, Brett, um, uh, Rebecca, um, uh, we, we might be talking about this if you're listening to this episode, but of course we might talk about it before you listen to this episode. I think that that would be an interesting perspective um, because, because I, I know from, I, I, I think Sam gets that all that all the time. You're mm-hmm. not a parent, so you wouldn't, you don't understand, you don't understand. Type, type thing. And um um, I've never spent time in a classroom with her, but my experience with with talking to her for hours and hours on this show is that that she sounds like she's pretty damn effective in the classroom. So <laughs> um, she knows a shit. <laughs> yeah. So so I think it, it might be fun to have those conversations. So I mean, but but then and and also does this come up because we we as humans are just just always trying to divide ourselves into cliques and tribes. And, and so there's that, there's There's a little bit of that in it. Yeah. There's the parents and there's the non-parents. There's the, you know, like you do, 
I mean, even within the parents, like I know, you know, within school groups, there's like the working parents and the non-working parents, or there's mm-hmm. the, like, we, I think as humans are very, we like to be able to kind of label and box ourselves and others. And it's like, yeah. it's, I mean, I'm sure there's a whole body of research about why we do that. Um, but it is very, it is a very human thing to do to kind of put ourselves or others into a box that I'm a, I'm a this, you know, and, and it, I mean, it comes down to how you introduce yourself too. you'll meet people and they'll go, oh, you know, I'm a, you know, mama three and blah, blah, blah. Like what comes first when people introduce themselves? How do they talk about themselves? And, you know, I think, yeah, we are very quick to kind of box ourselves into something, those kind of tribe things I think that you talk about are spot on. Yeah. Well, our brains are, our brains are kind of wired for sorting and classifying. And we, we do that yeah. to sometimes to our detriment. Um, yeah. And so how, how in a program do we effectively try to break down those divisions? I mean, look, staff cohesion, I think is really important. And if you have the parent staff, uh, talking about the non-parent staff, like they don't know their shit, um, yep. that can, that can kind of build walls and that, that kind of breaks up any harmony that programs have. And, yeah. and I mean, that animosity that can exist there, it, it radiates and kids do pick up on that kind of stuff. And so, how do we, how do we I navigate think it's something that? We need to acknowledge, like, I think we actually need to acknowledge it for starters that there is a feeling there that, you know, sometimes because you're a parent or you're not a parent, you're a certain type of educator or, you know, whatever. So I think it needs to be a conversation that's had kind of out in the open rather than these little things that are being said, you know, behind closed doors. But I also think we need to get better as individuals and as a profession at, you know, speaking up for the skills and knowledge and experience that we do have, because I think we, being whether it's part of being a uh, predominantly female or a care-based kind of profession, we tend to downplay, you know, what we have and what we do. I don't think when I was a director, when I got my degree, so I went from having um, like a qualification, but it was, you know, a I suppose a lesser qualification but you know I went from having a diploma qualification to then doing university study and having a degree but I never like I didn't tell people that I had a degree and I didn't tell people you know like even now I don't tell people when I'm doing training for them that I have a degree or that I've done this study and that I've you know had this experience and that I've worked with this person or like I don't tell people that and I think that's partly because well I'm not an asshole but well, I am, but you know, like I, I don't know. I feel uncomfortable saying all that stuff. But I think maybe if our families knew some of the experience and you know the world experience that we bring, the qualifications that we bring, the amount of professional learning that we do and research that we do, independent research to be able to you know better care for their children or to better understand play or you know whatever it is that we're doing, I think if we advocate for that better, then maybe that breaks down some of that belief that well you're just a glorified you know babysitter you're just someone to keep an eye on my child because you don't have children of your own and you're not actually a teacher because you're not in school you know like there's still that difference between school teaching and early childhood particularly Mm -hmm. here in Australia there's a really big difference um, and there shouldn't be 
but yeah I think we need to kind of bring it out into the open a little bit more and talk about it a bit more well and, and I mean there's also that division um between uh center based and and home based care oh absolutely um here there's a in in the center I mean there are there are child care centers and there are preschools and then there are head starts and then there are, I mean, so there, there are all, all kinds of tribalism and wall building there too. And, and so I think this parent, not a parent just kind of falls in, into, into that a lot. And I mean, can't we all just get along? Yes, absolutely. And it's funny you say that about the home-based care too. Like, you know, we have that here in Australia, it's family daycare. And typically people who do family daycare in their homes have their own children. But we've had some educators with us that actually don't have their own children. And I think some people, other educators, think that's unusual. Like it's uh -huh. a, oh, why would you why would you have care in your home if you don't have children? That's like, why wouldn't you? Why would you work in a service if you don't have children? Like it's no different. And but yet we do box it, definitely box it up and kind of see them as different things. So what's the answer to the question? I mean. Don't know. <laughs> don't know. I don't know. I said, look, I think my answer that I came to for myself is that being a parent hasn't made me a better educator. It's made me a different educator. Being an educator hasn't made me a better parent. It's made me a different parent. I know all the things logically. I can be mid, you know, mid-argument with my 13-year-old and thinking, the research would tell me to do X, Y, and Z and, you know, his brain's doing this and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, fuck the research. He's really pissing me off. Like <laughs> it's completely different, you know. It's like really, really different. So I, I just think it's not about being better. It's about being different, just having different perspective. But as you kind of pointed out, lots of different experience that we have in our life can bring different perspective too. It's not just being a parent. Yeah, so I guess I guess for me the answer is like the answer to so many things is uh, it depends, um, it depends. which which does sound kind of wishy washy, um, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, and but and I I think it's probably the, I mean it's probably the most honest, correct, non divisive yeah, answer. I so. well, yeah. yeah, I think so. Well, we'll wrap it up there, except uh, listeners, if you have thoughts or comments, um, hit up the voice or text mail, text mail, the voicemail <laughs> or text message 228-363-6737. Um, I've got, I've got some, some messages in the queue that I just haven't had a chance to, to get scheduled into an episode yet. So uh, uh, look forward to those coming up. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up, Nicole? Anything you want to plug? Any any new stuff coming out from Inspired EC that you're working on? Don't want to tease? Or... Uh, I don't know. We've got a lot of like new stuff happening. Lots of like online training happening and lots of bits and pieces. I don't know. Some new resources we're putting together. We'd love to be able to get them to the States, but it's just so bloody hard. Um, but yeah, just lots of things happening all on our website. Click on over to uh, to inspiredec.com and take a squiz. Um, take a squiz, yes. Did I did I did I did I say that, that right? Perfect phrasing, yes. Perfect phrasing. Go and take All a squiz right. on the website. Spoke a little bit of Australian there, mate. Um, this 
This has been the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast, the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast with the words bar and grill in the title. Back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.